Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm Margie. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. There's more to life than a little bit of money, you know. Don't you know that? And here you are, and it's a beautiful day. Well, I just don't understand it. Oh, fuck it. I don't have to talk either, man. See how you like it. Just total fucking silence. You could play at that game, smart guy. We'll just see how you like it. Total silence. How you doing there, Wade? Yeah, pretty good. What are you watching there? Gophers. <laughs> Cue the theme song. Gophers. Well, the little guy, he was kind of funny looking. In what way? I don't know, just funny looking. Well, what's this guy look like, anyway? Oh, he's a little guy, kind of funny looking. Uh-huh. In what way? Oh, just in a general kind of way. Where's Pancakes at? Dad? What? Are you staying for supper? See something down there, Chief? No, I just think I'm going to barf. Darn tootin'. All right. I like black comedies. Dark comedies. They're funny, and maybe they shouldn't be, but you're laughing, and then someone gets shot in the face, and you're like, yep. This is a good reason to watch a movie. Often, I think what I just described is what you see on screen after Joel and Ethan Cohen have control of things. Um, Fargo. Let's do Fargo. 1996. 90s movie. Made for 7 mil and made 60, but this is a super popular movie. Um, it's got a lot of uh, a lot of renown. People, I always hear people talking super positively about this. This would fall under the account of movies that if you didn't like, you'd be looked at as a strange person. Uh, Francis McDormand, Bill Macy, Steve Buscemi, uh, Peter Stormare. Uh, oh, and uh, Harv Presnell. Prennel? Prennel? Yeah, that's the guy. When did you guys, uh, do you guys, a movie that you guys... Um, we're into straight away. I can't, I'm trying to remember if this was like mainstream enough to see in theaters or if it would have been, I believe it DVD was, type watching. I think it was definitely in theaters, but I didn't see it. Cause I think I told you guys when we watched it, my dad had saw it when it first came out and not, not a huge movie critic type of guy, but he hated the movie. So yeah. he, he told me, he was like, don't go see that movie, that movie stupid and it's all just oh yeah oh yeah there by oh, yeah. i threw a buy in there that's a not a regional thing but um <laughs> so i never watched it and then it was actually you john um who showed it to me years later probably in my 20s or whatever um and and uh was my first experience watching it was with was with you showing me and then i loved it ever since i saw it but colin what about the- you I just always, um, I had other friends that influenced me into watching this. I had never saw it in the theater. I'd heard about it. I, everybody saw it before me. I think I was one of the last people to see it. But I remember like being quite blown away by it at the time when I watched it. It was just like nothing I'd ever seen before. Yeah. The, the humor in this movie is 
I think a lot of people don't like it because it's hard for them to wrap their brains around the tone of the movie. The tone of this yeah. movie is very, very strange. It could be considered as as um. To me, this is is like watching uh, almost in a way um, uh, best in show or um, <laughs> or uh, waiting for Guffman. Like like it that's what has people that vibe, yeah. don't understand is that's what they're doing. Um, the the problem with it is that makes people confused is that the serious themes of the movie. Whereas those other movies don't have serious themes. One's about a play, and the other one's about a dog show. The other one's about a play in like a small town. Where this is about yeah. kidnapping, kidnapping and embezzlement and murder. and murder. And so I feel like that's what made this so unique is that yeah. no one has ever told um, a story in this tone about these types of things. It feels and, like if David Fincher... And the Farrelly brothers made a movie together. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, it's silly, but it's dark. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like it's kind of captures all those serious elements, but it's also like absurd. Because they repeat, we even talked about this when we were watching it. They repeat a lot of the same themes and the storytelling is very similar to um, No Country for Old Men. There's yeah. a character who like is kind of the voice of reason and they also don't really get what's going on. They're they're they can't comprehend how people could be so despicable and so disgusting and only care about themselves. And uh, so it's interesting that they kind of made one movie super serious about this and one movie that was so silly about about these same themes, which is kind of the dark nature of humanity. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's where like things will be happening in this movie. The whole kidnapping scene itself, I laugh. I'm oh, laughing yeah. as that's going down. When he walks up to that window and From starts peering inside up. with his his ski mask on, yeah. But he's carrying he's carrying a crowbar, <laughs> a crowbar and he's looking through, and she's just like incredulously looking. The scenes in this movie stick with you. I mean, like the the axe and the wood chipper will be burned into my brain forever. They yeah. they fucking the editing on both of those, or or the editing on the axe scene is just so visceral. It just cuts right into his into his neck. That just sticks with you. So <laughs> this was such a risk, um, and um, other people have tried to do something like this since, and it's not been good. Um, but th- it was very risky what they were attempting, I think, and and it and it, they got away with it in probably a way they had not didn't didn't think they were going to get away with this. Well, like I. I don't know if you can even do this twice. Like this, this movie is, is a tough capture. I feel like, like to, to do this and walk this, this is a tightrope, this movie. And because it's so silly, but so dark and like the way it walks those lines, I think it could so easily be a bad movie. If this, if this lost the mix of dark and light comedy, it, it for the content that it is it's mostly dark but yeah. it could have easily went into like silly like um uh bulletproof or i don't know some ridiculous movie that has people running around with funny accents and like shooting people and getting into trouble right like that that 
line that you're walking on there to make you sit forward and in the back of your mind you're like that's kind of funny the way they talk is funny and they're like really pushing it hard with the with the editing and everything like it's not just they're talking funny like hammer oh yeah like for the fifth time yeah and somehow it it fucking it works it's weird it's weird i always think about (laughs) when she comes out of the tub when she's when they're trying to abduct her she's hiding in the tub and the shower curtains pulled She's opened the window as the misdirection. Buscemi falls for it, and the other guy's standing there. And then when she runs out, and that shower curtain is like wrapped on her, and she doesn't even attempt to remove it, she just and then falls down the (laughs) stairs and shit. That to me is, I mean, that's that's probably the most slapstick part in the movie. One of them, yeah. That I mean, then she later on she with the bag over her head tries to run in the snow while Steve Buscemi just watches her fall. Whoops! And he's laughing his ass off, which shouldn't be funny either. It should be horrifying, but it's not. It's right in that middle of yeah, she's gonna kidnap men. It I don't know. It sells me on like that these guys are so casual about it, but it should really be like super horrific or or incredibly hilarious, and it's it's both. And I just end up sitting in the middle going like fuck yeah but not in a bad way it's in a good way it's in the coen brothers way right that's (laughs) it's it's uh yeah it like i don't know anybody who could walk this line um like other filmmakers it's it they they once again they've tried to make other comedies since then they made a really bad one with george clooney and Catherine zeta jones called intolerable cruelty which was a comedy are they made um they made what was that other comedy they made that was really bad too oh burn after reading burn after reading so they've tried this again and failed miserably like miserably like the the times they've tried to make comedy again i know the western on netflix is a little bit like this uh the tone and stuff is like the Ballad this, of Buster Scruggs or whatever. Yeah, yeah they tried some, it again. I there. couldn't. I couldn't get. Th- I couldn't get through that. It's not good. They. God, it's so yeah. hard to recreate. Um, you can't. Like Brent said, you should. They shouldn't be trying to do this again. You can't. You can't do this twice. <laughs> no, it would come off as you you cannibalizing yourself is what it comes off well, as when they do try and do it. Like Miller's Crossing doesn't have any of the humor from this. That's and uh, No Country for Old Men does not either. No. So I think on the times when they stick on the dramatic side or tip a bit into the black comedy, but yeah, it seems like if you can't keep that balance, it goes into silly. Um, and the writing it and it, you have the a hard story, time work. I think the story and stuff too. Like the problem with like the movies like Intolerable Cruelty are. The, the story the story just isn't that interesting the, this story is very interesting and there's a lot of moving parts um one of the things we always talk about on this show always talk about on the show is you need characters who are likable and you need characters that you want to follow and you need you need characters to have an arc some kind of an arc like they must learn something this movie has none of that <laughs> the, these characters they are, they're interesting to follow that they do have that you do like following them, and but, they but are it's interesting. Tough. It's tough with it. early on. Um, it takes half an hour to introduce Francis McDormand's character, who Jeez. ends yeah. up being the, the hero, right, of the movie. 
um, up until then we were kind of like just enjoy like enjoying what we were seeing in the sense that it was so messed up. Uh, but we were also like, are you cheering for this guy? And we were like, no. And this guy, I'm like, no, not really. And so it's, and, but it's not a, pro- it's not that big a problem. It, it's just, that's something we normally note has to be there. And what some movies, when it's absent, you're like, uh-uh, what was I doing here? But this movie is like, hey, this is a train wreck. You're going to watch this in slow motion now. Go. And you're yeah. like, ha, 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 I don't want to see any of this happening, but I would need to see all of this happening. Francis yeah. is the break into two, too. She comes right at the end of the first act. She is the start of the second act is when you meet her in bed with her husband, having no idea who she is. Oh, no. Yeah. You don't meet her in bed with her husband. Do you You see her when she's investigating the uh, the murder? No. no, they call. She wakes up in bed. She gets the call from oh, the murder on the highway. Oh, you're totally right. And then he's got to make her some He makes eggs. her eggs. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally right. But that's a great way of introducing, once again, her character. Because you're giving the audience a taste of her, her home life and and uh, her her world that she lives in. And it's going to crash into this other world, which is the criminal, the cr- criminal element. The guy Black trying to fake kidnap his wife and the guys that he's hired to do it. And her, that's going to be, those two things are going to collide together in such a weird way. So it is great that they do they do do a slow roll on her getting up and and she's pregnant too. The fact they made her pregnant is also genius. There's something genius about that because yep. she's so fragile. She should be so fragile that it, you you are scared for her and her baby when she um goes to the house at the end with the gun drawn and stuff. And they told her to wait. It's but her she weakness. Doesn't. It's her only weakness. Yeah. It's her only that's they had to give her pregnancy because like she has nothing else that weakens her. She's a brilliant detective. Yeah. She's assertive, confident, aware. Good leader. Good leader. I mean, she is she's like a, a well, like John said when we were watching it, he's like, This is a fucking a very strong female character. Like, this is one of the one of the I better said, like, Ripley female strong. characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And I, and I stand by that. Great statement, man. Because I think that she is. She's a. She's exactly that type of woman. That, like, just that, that powerhouse. That, and you sense it through the whole movie. She, you're never really worried about her. I'm never worried about her. I fi- I always find that she's gonna be fine. Whatever she does, she's so capable. Yeah. The only thing that that we didn't like, and we all noticed it. No, we'd all noticed it before, and we talk about it quite a bit. Was the her B story, which is her wanting to hook up with an old friend from high school, is it? Mike Yanagita. Yeah, like he calls and, and she for some reason is, and I'm still not 100% sure exactly what her motives are, but she seems very interested in wanting to meet this person. So I don't know if she had a crush on him in high school are she just wants a little detour from her life because her life is very compact. Her and her husband spend a lot of time together. They have lunch together every day. So is it that she just wanted to kind of step out of her life? But it adds nothing to her character and it doesn't do anything for the story. It's just a big fucking detour that goes nowhere and nothing ever comes of it. And it doesn't change the outcome of 
anything. So I don't know why they do it. it I mean, you could say it's a funny scene, but it's not really. This time I found it kind of depressing with him, how pathetic he was. And then you find out and he it was, was all lying. a lie. It was all a lie. And it was the all, whole time? yeah. That makes it even weirder that that guy seemed to be like crying about events that never actually happened and into it. So it just, it, and one of the, my favorite parts of this movie is, um, uh, is their marriage as Norman Marge's marriage. <laughs> yeah. and like they're just so cute together and you can, it's the kind of relationship anyone would want, right? They're warm together. He'll, he makes her eggs when she's got to get up to do her job. I guess the backstory is, is that he used to be a cop as well. Um, and then when they got married or were getting married, one of them had to quit. So he didn't because she was the better cop. I don't know. I read that somewhere and it kind of made sense for them. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, it's just, I, I like how, how sweet they get on each other and, um, I don't know. It was one of the stronger parts of the movie for me this time, just because it makes me like her even more. And she's the important one for me to like, cause she's the, mm-hmm. she's our hero. Um, and I do like her for that, but then all the stuff with Mike Anagita is just a little bit weird. I'm like, I don't know what she was trying to get out of it. I would have rather her gone down there and then had a discussion with some of the cops down there. And maybe one of the cops like blow her off as a pregnant lady and she like puts him back in his place or something. I don't know. She wouldn't have any flaws if you did that. But these flaws that they gave her just don't have an impact on anything to do with the story that I'm really interested what, in. What could have been better, too, is that he was like a really good looking, handsome guy. And she did have a crush on him because she kind of does do a little thing with her hair and stuff. But if when she got showed up, he was a good looking guy and something, you know, there was something there. But but instead, it's this weird thing where where he... I don't even fucking know what it was. It was very <laughs> weird. It was just very weird and it didn't make a lot of sense. And then it made even less sense, like you said, when when you found out from a third party that it was all bullshit, what he was saying and, and his emotion and his he was so devastated by something that was fictionalized. I, yeah, yeah, cut I, it. I, cut, yeah. Just cut it all, man. All of it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Such that. Such an easy cut, too. Like, yeah, this was, movie's runtime is short, like 98 minutes. So, like... So, it would have dropped cu- it down to, like, shit. 90 minutes. Yeah. 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 Great. And perfect. Then, yeah. And then you got perfection right on your hands. You do. You'd have a perfect movie almost. It's crazy like, this movie is so short. It feels like it should be longer. There's a lot yeah. in here. That's true. It does feel more substantial than uh, an hour and 38 minutes. Well, think of, yeah, sorry, John. Well, I was just going to say, think of the antagonists that you have to set up um, at the start of this movie because you, uh, you need to do Wade, you need to do um, Jerry, and then you need to do both Carl and Silent Bob. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's why we get a half hour with all those people at the start of this flick. Um, before we see her so for some reason once this main kind of stuff starts rolling with Francis McDermott the movie runs at about the length I think it would so it the front part of it that they were doing all that setup does make it feel like it's a little bit longer but it actually isn't and and I didn't mean when I said it makes it longer it just it doesn't make it too long or feel yeah. inappropriately long it's it makes it feel like a thick movie uh, in just a 90 minute period Yep. That's a better way of putting it. A lot it. of Thick. stuff just happens. It just, there's so much happens. And, and it, 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 
it shouldn't work on so many levels because because the William H Macy character, I mean, there's nothing really likable about him, but no. but he's so pathetic, <laughs> and his father in law is such a dick. And and so everybody like kind of ha understands that relationship. So for some reason, you still do kind of at least I do personally, kind of like sympathize with him and his situation, <laughs> even though he's he's getting Every his wife kidnapped <laughs> and and like trying to get like it just like I, I don't root for him by the I don't root for him by the end, but in the beginning of the movie when when. Like I'm still interested in following him for some reason. He's he, a loser, and he has some kind of loser charisma about him that you kind of yeah both feel bad for his ineptitude and you know wanna wanna stay with him a little bit to see how fucking bad it can get. There's something funny about. He thought it would work. He yeah. thought it would all work. Like I'm he, happy. He, like, really I love, went into that. I love when he gets caught at the end, and uh, I love seeing him. Maybe that's what it is. It's not that I sympathize with him, but I I want to see what's going to happen. I want to see the because of what he sets up and it keeps going wrong and he has to keep trying to um I I said this when we were watching this when he gets caught, he freaks out so badly that you see him keep wiggling out of things the whole movie. So I think his whole life he has been just narrowly getting out of things and finally 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 the police get their hands on him he's never ever been caught for his misdeeds and he finally yeah. gets fucking caught and he can't handle it he loses his shit because he's been doing this for 40 years he's not a good person he's he clearly we still don't know why he's in so much debt no, no, he just needs he needs money. And I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter either, um, because anytime I found myself sympathizing for this guy, I would just think back and be like, he had his own wife kidnapped. And then yes. to boot was like, I hope your son's OK. Oh, oh, fuck. Yeah, my son. Mm. Like he's a huge piece of he's shit. A giant. Yeah, yeah, he's a giant, giant. And like Brent said, he is a loser. <laughs> but like he's constantly like wiggling out of tough situations so i guess that's what we're seeing like yeah. and that's why we're following him it's not more so sympathy it's more so me wanting to see how he's going to get out of the next thing and and then finally seeing him get caught this the, it's, it's the it really makes the, him getting caught satis satisfying it does it? it's a very satisfying ending for him and the satisfying end for the guy who kills buscemi because I think we talked about this too. Um, like I'm like I'm I'm Team Buscemi over uh, what's that other guy actor's name? Peter Mike Stormare. Name? Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm totally Buscemi. Stormare yeah, killed I mean, of the two. Stormare killed his his wife. Shot her. Well, Carl. Um, Carl seems to be a bad guy, but. I don't think he's either he's not very experienced or he's new to this or something because you can tell like he's facing these situations for the first time and just kind of patching it together and instead what's he get what he gets into is a partnership with a psycho who murders people then he ends up killing people. I don't know, he's kind of so bungling and new to it. I think it's who we can identify with more because 
we'd be new at it too if we suddenly jumped into it. But it's not like I like him either. He's no. a huge piece of shit as well. Yeah, yeah like you're I, not... I, you're, 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 <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Brett. I was going to say, I kind of get the impression, like John said, that he's a petty thief. So he's in above his head, and then when it gets deep enough, he doesn't really know how to react like a professional. And, uh, you know, shit goes bad. He it, doesn't. How, he doesn't know how to react as a professional. He's very unprofessional. Stormera's character is more like he's definitely killed people in the past. Like oh, and maybe yeah. a oh, yeah. bunch, maybe a bunch of people. He almost feels like a hitman or something. Like he's he maybe a pro. Was, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't uh, say anything. He doesn't get out of line. What he's this not movie he handles shit. Yeah, what this movie he, he could be. Is is what this movie shows is that the. They, people can be bad people and people that you're rooting against, but but when you're they're put into these extreme circumstances, you do you do like being a voyeur of what's going on, like totally. with the with the traffic incident where they he, they kill the cop and he chases down those people, like they're always in these extreme situations. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's his name with his father? And uh, his our father in law, um, trying to get this money from him, like weasel money out of him to pay, yeah, because he 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 gets a loan for three hundred thousand dollars for cars that don't exist. Yeah, no, he claimed insurance on them. Yeah, but he said but, they were stolen. Or that's the I, impression I have is that he he was claiming things on cars that didn't exist they gave him the insurance he sent the serial numbers to no. qualify because they were like we already sent you the money and he's yeah. like yeah i sent those serial numbers i sent and they're like we can't read them and if it, you don't provide them then we're we have we to take go the to, money back yeah he got financing to purchase them yeah and they didn't exist uh, uh, but he bought that. nothing okay. but what so is he it, doing yeah. with the financing like i, I yeah that, the 300 that, grand i don't know the, that's the one thing that i do kind of think is a little bit missing from the story is like if you would have found out that he owed he owed gambling debts of like three hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars like he'd bet on sport whatever he did he like got in he got involved with the wrong people like I feel like it's gambling only because I don't know what else it could be other than gambling. It's not drugs, definitely not drugs. No, no, no. And he's not a boozer. No, gambling feels like the thing, unless he, he just feels like he's taking a lot of risks, and he does seem like he's getting <laughs> off on it. Now, do you, I yeah. don't know. I I definitely got the sense. I kind of I don't mind not knowing because my mind runs wild with especially after I learned what a crazy character Jerry is and what he would like consider. Okay. But my thinking, (laughs) my thinking would be that he, um, he probably only owed someone like 30 or 40,000 and thought that since I'm doing the scam anyway, I might as well get my ticket out of this. I guarantee that's what it was. He was only in a little trouble and he's like, but I'll get 300,000 and then I can't do that. I'll get my father-in-law for a million, right? A million. Stepping up. Yeah, so like he keeps stepping it up with the risk that he thinks he's taken, and and none of it, none of it fucking works, and everybody dies. So, way to go, that, Jerry. Find that completely plausible. Jerry yeah. seems like that guy. They yeah. also, I also like the. Uh, we talked about this a little bit too when we were watching it. They they 
put in the beginning of the movie that it's based on a true story. Yeah. And and it and it is absolutely not based on anything true. It was completely fictitious. But the fact that they, they put that, that in there, but the fact that they put that in there um adds gravitas to the story as well and adds a completely different element to the story just by them putting that in the beginning. Like you go into it looking at the movie very differently thinking it was something that really happened. But it never did, which is like a really smart thing for them to have done. Uh, it was clever. Uh, and it, it worked out really well for this movie because like as Brent just said, I didn't know for 10 years that it wasn't. I, I'm, <laughs> guessing, I'm guessing 10 years. There was a long period of time where I thought it was based on something that really happened and then somehow stumbled across the fact that it wasn't. Yeah, yeah where did you guys learn about that? Because I, I never... I don't they never, know. Someone they never told hit it. They, they owned up to it. At, man, at the time of this, like, no, they didn't hide came it. Out, I was collecting yeah. DVDs, so I would have been reading up on these movies before I bought them. And yeah, that's I would have read I just would have known. Or I, I was listening to commentaries, too, you know? Yeah, I would have read it in a trivia somewhere, but but I, I stumbled across it and found it wasn't real. Uh, maybe I looked it up after watching it for the umpteenth time. And finally was like, oh, I wonder what really happened. And then looked it up. But funny because um, that's what they do on the show, too. That the show always has that as well. It's based on a true story. So I thought every every season of Fargo uh, of the TV series, I was like, I was like, holy fuck, a lot of crazy shit happens in Minnesota, man. <laughs> so uh, so the first two seasons of that show do, do you have a similar similar style and tone to this. A little. Definitely. I don't think they capture it exactly, but they they do vibe like like on that. Yeah, that they're trying to. Real um, yeah, they're trying to go in that direction, um, mm -hmm. and I think it's very effective. The first two seasons of the show. I haven't seen the third season, so I can comment on it. But um, yeah, there is something. This is one of those ones again that for me should not work on paper, and is a complete exception to the rule. Um, of uh, of how you know what works for a story, a visionary movie. I think like it, you have to have such clear vision of what this is when you start. This isn't a movie that falls into place. This is the Coens saying, "This is what we're making," and then them doing it, which I, to me is like is like just a fucking masterclass. Because if you back into this, it's still good, and you're still good for getting there. But being able to like just, you know, blueprint this out, this movie, which I believe would have been the case in every element. But it feels that way because it feels so constructed perfectly. But I think very similar to Pulp Fiction. Um, I don't like Tarantino didn't. I don't think Tarantino or the Coens knew exactly what they were doing. And uh, th a lot of things, they got lucky with a lot of things. And talking about lucky like Francis McDermott, William H. Macy, without these actors, this, they, this wouldn't have been pulled off. This would not have worked. I guess they cast them, so it's not like they didn't have, but if they didn't, if they, these people weren't available, if you remove any actor from the, even including the father-in-law at the Gophers. Yeah. Anybody that's not, everyone is perfectly cast in this fucking movie. Every well, single person. Macy fucking fought for his role. 
Mm. He uh, he was convinced he was perfect for this role, and so he uh, he read for it twice, and then he hadn't heard back, and they had started production, so he flew to New York, and uh, and and went to see the Coens and said, "I'm like I'm really afraid that you guys are making a huge mistake by by not putting me in this role. It's my fucking role." And then apparently he's like he's like, uh, "If you guys don't give me this role, I'm gonna shoot your dogs." <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, though he's is, he's great. Yeah, he is. I, he did not win. He was nominated. This movie was nominated for seven Oscars and won two. Um, Francis McDormand won for best actress, and uh, the Coens won for the screenplay. I was gonna say screenplay had to win. And once I have again, it open, if you guys is... would like to hear any of the uh, opposition in this, yeah, I would uh, like to hear that. Uh, so the actress in a leading role. Emily Watson, Breaking the Waves, Kristen Scott Thomas, The English Patient, Marvin's Room, Brenda Blythen, Blythen? Secrets and Lies, and then Francis Wins, and then Best Script. I actually can't say that I know any of those other movies. The I've English Patient, patient that's the only the, one I'm familiar with. I that haven't seen best it. Picture, I it, think, won, yeah. it did, yeah, it won Best Picture. Um, the Directors, uh, The English director Patient won too. that too. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Oh, People uh, versus Larry Flint was and, up that year. And Cuba Gooding Jr. as Rod Tidwell beat out Bill Macy in this. And I don't understand that one. No, I he that that his win for that year was very similar to um my cousin Vinny's win for um uh what's what was the actress's oh, name in my cousin Vinny? Marissa Tomei. Yeah, yeah both yeah. those performances by Marissa and Cuba were good performances, but they're not Oscar worthy performances. They're great. They yeah. they did a, and they're memorable characters, but Oscar worthy, neither of them were. Yeah. yeah. They were just weird. Uh, they they caught they those things caught people a certain way. And they gave them those awards, but whatever. Like, I think Bill deserved it. Um, he's great in it. He's perfect. Everybody in this is perfect. And the cinematography is perfect. But this should have won for directing. I guarantee you that nobody remembers The English Patient anymore. I've seen it recently, and it's not that great. Like, it's not memorable and will stick in your brain like this movie. Not even close. Yeah. Like, this should have yeah. won everything. It should have won all seven. Out of out of the movies that were mentioned for that award, Fargo is by far the only one that is still in popular culture. Like, oh yeah, uh, the English Patient. No, no one's gonna remember that. Well, people will remember it, but it's not like the Fargo is cultural. Watch it every uh, year. Yeah, the People versus Larry Flint, Secrets and Lies. I can't even tell you what that's about. Probably secrets, lies, <laughs> lies. Uh, and then Shine, which I don't know. But Jeffrey Rush won Best Jeffrey Actor Rush. for that. So yeah, yeah I mean he's he, really he good is in that. awesome. He's Jeffrey Rush in, is awesome. Yeah, yeah he's so. really good in that movie. Mm. I, I will say that the People versus Larry Flint. I wouldn't mind doing that one because I wasn't a huge fan of it the last time I watched it. I just I just started to rewatch it a few weeks ago. Uh, comment, but oh, fair enough. Uh, but I was curious as well because I was like, I was like, oh fuck, Courtney Love is in that. Yeah, I mean, because I remember being kind of impressed before. She is good in it. It's just I just don't think it's a great movie anymore. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think. Have I, fun I watching it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'd have to do it for the show. 
<laughs> well, maybe Brent I, has I'd, a different opinion. I'd like opinion. to throw it on. I'd like to throw it on the list for sure. Yeah, why not? Do it. We One should of also the many. throw Raising Arizona on. Ooh. Uh, see, Nick I've Cage. never been a huge fan of that movie. I'll, everyone All the loves better. that movie, but I, yeah, we'll do it. I haven't seen it in like 10 years probably. Maybe longer. Yeah, could be. Could I be. always like doing the ones I didn't like back in the day because it's great when they surprise me now and either they've gotten better to me or they've gotten better with time. Like, There's been a lot that have happened that's happened to me, so I'd, I'd definitely watch something I didn't like in the past. Mm. Think about yeah. all the Cohen movies, man. We could do a couple months. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to go back and do Miller's Crossing and See, I've never no was Country. a fan of I was never a fan Barton of Miller's Fink. Crossing either. Uh, I, I wonder ne- if I would be now. Barton Fink's about a screenplay writer and I was yeah. never a fan of that movie. <laughs> I well, okay, I know that you guys aren't a fan of this, but I Oh Brother Where Art Thou we could do I would do that one for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, of course. That's like one of their big movies. You got to do that one. And No Country. You got to do No Country. I think those are their top three best movies is this No Country and uh, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. Once again, that was one of their comedies. What about Inside Lewin Davis? I haven't seen it. Uh, Hmm. The music is really good. Yeah. Because what's his name who plays the main role? Isaac uh, I, Oscar yeah, Isaac, I saw it in the you. theater. Yeah. I saw it in the he's, theater, and it doesn't to me. It just didn't seem to go anywhere. I was he's kind awesome. Of disappointed. It's a super sad story. Like when the when the movie ends, I'm like, I I had no idea it was ending. I was just like, this is the end. <laughs> the, that movie's over. Yeah. But so it, that's how I felt. But I only saw it the one time. Some of the songs in it are really good, and it looks like they're all yeah. well. Performed. I remember the I remember the music was good, but it what the music wasn't the problem for me. I just. I just didn't feel like a lot happened in it, but once again, I'd see music again. in this movie, however, is pretty awesome and strange and good. It's great. The music's great in this too. Like once again, this is one of those movies where everything just kind of fell in place for it. The timing was good when it was released. Um, just that type of movie it seemed to appeal to people. Like this is a very very popular movie. Like six million dollars to make, and even in '95, like comparatively, other movies were getting huge, huge budgets. Like you gotta love when a movie like this comes along, and it's just made for a modest amount, but it's it overcomes some strange things that it shouldn't overcome, but it just does, and and does it pretty well. Yeah, it's funny. You like to see that. It's like almost like cheering for the underdog, and it's like seven Oscar nominations. What? And then you make a movie like The Fugitive and Tommy Lee Jones like, I'll win an Oscar for what? I, I, like, sadly, <laughs> sadly, honestly, like if you're going to make any kind of movies that are similar to this today, and what I'm saying similar to this, I mean like, you know, like something that's not based on like something that's not going to be franchisable and something that's not based on something hugely popular like a book already. But if you just want to make a movie that's either a comedy or a drama or a mix of both, You've got to make it for under $10 million because nobody is making movies anymore outside of that range for like, unless they're incredibly cheap because they, everything that's going into theater has got to be like blockbuster franchisable and everything on streaming services and stuff. Like it's got to be affordable, like under at least under 25 or 30 million. They, no one wants to take a risk on it anymore. And like this movie would not get made today. How the fuck did Serrano get made? What the fuck that movie? 
This this would get made for the six million dollars for sure. This would, but like six million. But you're not. But you wouldn't be able to make this for six million today. You'd probably this would probably be about twenty or thirty. Hmm. And so it probably wouldn't be made. It's, it's sad. Too expensive. You get- you get you get a bunch of shareholders in your company and they're like we want money and you're like okay well we can make really good films or we can make these real shit repetitive ones that'll make us tons of money but they'll suck we're like we want money it's it sucks to have seen it taken over so much by that it makes the it makes movies like this even more few and far between today when yeah, it makes like more, more people can accessibly make movies of a pretty good quality like i wonder if that's going to be the future get back to some I don't know, other stuff that you just can't rely on on the big machine to be churning out quality movies these days. That's fair. Dangerous. It's dangerous for the art, man. Don't get me wrong. I'd be making superhero movies if I did movies. <laughs> Money. <laughs> so there. I'm not going to I See, I go the other it. way. I say the I cheaper, the, the cheaper, the better. You then can, I'd you buy can, your you company take, and sell your movies. If you can take a million dollars and you can make 10 or 20 or 30, that's what you want. Make that's porn. Baby. That sounds like that kind of business plan. Yeah, that's like that's like that's like five hundred dollars, not a million dollars. Step forward, <laughs> profit. Yeah, that's funny. Well, that's you, funny. You guys want to call this one? I I mean, I'm I'm kind of ready to. I don't know if there's going to be yeah, much of no. It. it holds up. This movie's there's great. No fight. It's yeah. great. I noticed more than ever the the sidebar love story of. Margie and I didn't actually like it that much this time just because I feel like Margie could have been perfect all the way through because I just think she's a ridiculously awesome character period with that she's female is also awesome because this is one to be looked at anyone who watched this movie was like ah, oh, their accents were funny and I didn't watch it like sorry Brent's dad but that <laughs> that's bullshit yeah, no. man no no he made a mistake man <laughs> he did um, but I, I could see how people could make a mistake because Colin said it straight off of, of jump here. Like this, this movie is like got a peculiar tone um, that ends up working uh, really, really well. So well that you're constantly, you're scratching your head about that as well as like watching all this crazy stuff happen on screen. You're like, why do I like this? Yeah. It's not fitting in any mold. And maybe there are more movies that do it. But like back in the day when we first saw this, I think all of us were just like, I was struck so much that I had to show it to anybody who said, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, watch this shit. And I knew certain people at the time and their personalities like Brent. And of course he loved it. Cause if you like the kind of movies that we usually review here and also like, and give thumbs up, you're going to like Fargo too. get into that bucket. Cause I said so. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's great acting, uh, music directing. Everything looks great. It's like so dark and dreary. There's like one shot where it's sunny. I think it might be the one where the dude's cleaning his driveway, but I can't quite recall, but I remember distinctly, um, that the cinematographer hated that sunny day. He's like, it doesn't fit. It's got to be shit <laughs> outside. And I love that dedication because it lo- does look shit everywhere. And just the weird humor and the intense violence uh, just right up my alley in both regards. You get it all in this movie. Yeah. Thumbs up from me. Holds up. Yeah. I choose uh, Brent. I I think it holds up too, yeah. <laughs> this movie's great. This movie's... um movie's a fucking great movie so it's so interesting the characters are so interesting like this probably ruins minnesotan accents for other movies because they fucking uh, 
this movie is so iconic. Yeah. Any other movie that would try to do this would be looked at as an imitator. What do you want to be put up against this in comparison? So, holds up. Awesome. You guys are awesome. This movie's awesome. Cohen's are awesome. Yeah. Uh, listeners are awesome. I think, just to t- touch on one thing for a sec there, um, I don't think there was a ton of backlash from Minnesotans on the the accents and whether they were like over the top or realistic or not. Like certain movies can do this kind of thing and people are like, that's bullshit. Like uh, far and away, they're like, that guy's not fucking Irish. <laughs> Tom Cruise is not Irish. He's nay, even though that's a Scottish accent. So there you go, pissing everybody off in one <laughs> bad joke. But seriously, um, I don't recall that there was that backlash. I think actually it's probably held as more of a prideful thing, I would, I would hope. Because that's, yeah. I would take it as an homage, like an honored. I would too. I think it's meant as. Yeah, I don't think there is backlash on this. And once again, it, yeah, like as you guys said, it holds up. There's not a lot more to be said about it. It's a gem. There is that tiny little thing that you could have taken out. And it is, it always was bizarre and confusing, but it's not enough of a speed bump to slow down. The, the rest of the movie is too good for that one little speed bump. Um, I mean, oh God, it would be so easy to take out too. Once again, these small little flaws. But what are you going to do? Like, they made a great movie. You can't. You, you can't <laughs> fault them for that. Like, I mean, oh my, nothing is perfect. It's It would be so tough, but. Funny you say that. I read that Tom Hanks thinks this movie is perfect on every level. Mm-hmm. It, well, it's close, but it's not. It is, but it's it very is pretty close. good. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's as close <laughs> as most movies will ever get. And, uh, oh, absolutely. And it's worthy of all of its uh, attention and put them on the map in a huge way. And they, they got to do anything Rightfully they wanted so. after this. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the best idea. The Caesar one they did about old Hollywood and communists and stuff. Oh, so bad. I, Once again, they're... I'm not, they're, I'm not that into, for the same reason as the, the latest Tarantino in that time in history around California about the murders and stuff like that. Um, Whatever that movie's about, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Those those kind of homage back times. Uh, yeah, Manson, thank you. Um, I, I'm not big into those throwback of, of time movies. And, the problem, and, yeah, the problem yeah, is, is they, they don't... Tarantino never... If you're going to make a movie like that, then you've got to like explain to the audience what happened and what's going on and what they were leading up to. I went with Brent and Dave... And that that happened like in the 60s. I read Helter Skelter and stuff, and I knew a lot about that just because I was interested in it when I was younger. But Brent and Dave had no idea about that. So like there's like no context. You can't like, well, who was he making that movie for? So you have to be careful when you do shit like that. And that's what I felt about Caesar as well. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that way too. Who was that for? Because it wasn't like some some of bits as always, some snappy dialogue, some some good pieces here and there. But good directing. I just I felt like that. I watched that movie and I was like, this isn't for me. Like it it wasn't made for me. So the fact that I don't like it is probably not that big a deal because I'm not sure if it's shit. It's just not for me. And based on the box office, some shit's just not for us. Based on the box office, Christmas isn't for us. No, no, no. But and based on the box office though. Nobody thought it was for them. So once again, you, you got to sometimes like the Coen brothers have definitely made movies for themselves and not the audience. And you should always have the audience in mind 
Like, especially if you're getting a $30 million budget. Or a little masturbatory otherwise, right? Yes. It's just, and it's just th- self-flagellation. And they did that with uh, the one with Brad Pitt, the one we mentioned earlier. Burn After, after reading. reading. Yeah, that's very much like that. Our intolerable cruelties like that, too. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta keep the audience in mind, and a lot of times people don't. I mean, all, all filmmakers have done that. All like I can't think of one that hasn't. It happens, but sometimes you get some gems, and that's they what we got. This with one. Fargo nailed it out of the gate. Well, not really out of the gate, but they nailed it. So there you have it. Um, anyone know what we have next week? Because I do. I do not. Oh. If you had a child and I was like a good friend of you, maybe you'd name me your child's Godfather 2. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> that was super what? bad. Godfather, Godfather 2. 2? Yes. Oh, and my God. Oh. Get ready. So this is coming to you on oh. March 27. Listen to this April oh lineup. We have Godfather Part 2. Uh, we're gonna do the next second Lord of the Rings movie just to see if Two Towers, which I always remembered as being my favorite of the three, um, holds it's up or not. It's then <laughs> for Easter, for probably some great reason, we're doing Almost Famous, and we're yeah, gonna finish we the month off with what could potentially be our last ever Kubrick movie, Full Metal Jacket. If Full Metal Jacket oh. doesn't hold up, I don't want to do a Kubrick movie ever again because he's not for me. That would, that would yeah, be. I'll be done. And that's okay. Just not for I'll me. I'll still watch The Shining with the sound down. But other Shining. than that. Shining. Yeah, that's a pretty killer April. No, that is good. I'm so excited for Godfather 2. Ooh. Yeah, so I am too. Shack Shay. We should, we, should we should take the day off. I love that idea. I do. I really have like lots that of vacation idea. this year, so I could do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Good. Because Fargo is good. I like when it's a movie we all agree on because, man, it's nice to shit on the thing or to uh, bless it. And this one is blessed. So bless us, everyone, Fargo. Uh, tune in next week for Godfather 2. You know you're going to tune in for that one because you got to know. Oh my God. Is it true? <laughs> <laughs> it was a boy, Michael. <laughs> That's what we're going to be getting into your ear holes. So stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, well, that'll drop on Sunday the 3rd. So thanks for coming out. Hope you feel the same about Fargo. If you haven't seen it, go blow your mind. That's what we want you to do. Blow your mind. Tune in for the next one. We'll check you then. Thanks, everybody. And as always, enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.